Funny things happen in church all the time. And last week was one of those times when funny things happened at church and it was all the preacher's fault. Uh, most of you realized my faux pas. I was the only one who didn't realize that, uh, that I had uh, cut off Mark Triplett from reading the scripture. Um, I was just to have the sermon in my head ready to go, was used to the scripture reading, reading during the sermon, and we had changed back up to reading before the sermon. Totally my faux pas, my mistake, and I own it. And I apologize publicly and repent to Mark Triplett. I will say that if I had to guess, and if you had to guess too, of a sprinting race between me and Mark Triplett up here to the pulpit, uh, I would not have guessed that I would have won. Those grilled chicken sandwiches are working. <laughs> this year our theme is Growing with Grace, and Growing in Grace, talking about how we can not only understand God's grace, but mature in it. That's very important for us to understand, and I wanted to have a series specifically where we talked about our relationship with God, because see, every week uh, you can hear a message from me, you can hear a Bible from your Bible class teacher or your youth minister, but it is your relationship with the Lord that is going to be the most important for the long haul. Parents need to understand that as you raise up your children and train them, part of that training is not just teaching them how to get along in the world, but how to know the Lord, how to, how to understand His Word and to have a relationship with Him. It's one of the most important things that we do passing on that spiritual heritage. And so as a part of this uh, entire year, one of the things we we're looking at is our maturity and our growing in our relationship with the Lord. Last week, uh, we began this series talking about uh, that to live for God starts with giving up yourself. Laying, you know, in order for a seed to produce any harvest, it first must go into the ground and die. Jesus said, if you, if you want to follow me, then you've got to take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow me. It's part of what Christianity has always been about, learning to deny self and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever that may lead. It means giving up yourself. Today, we're going to look at specifically... Uh, the next part of what the journey, what I call seeking the light. To have life, you must have light. We understand that to be true. is the very first thing that God pronounced in the creation account. Let there be light. And it wasn't just the, the sun in particular. It was, the, it was the, the substance of light, if I can call it. We don't know if it's a particle or a wave. There's still some debate about that. But, but the, what light as an energy source, was necessary for all life to exist. And God understood, created it that way, I think, for a purpose. We understand that so much of our lives is oriented toward light. Think about the seasons of the, the planet have very much everything to do with not your CO2 footprint, but kind of how far the earth is tilting toward or away from the sun. 
That sun has a big impact. The farther away we are from it, the, the, the more things tend to shut down. Life tends to go dormant for a while. The closer we get to the sun, life begins to spring forth. Here we've had a couple of warm days in February and January. And you've, you've watched in your neighborhood as people come out of their homes and kids are riding their bikes and people are walking and enjoying this life coming forth in the light. We understand that just on a personal level, that, that your, so much of your rhythm, so much of your pattern has everything to do with your exposure to the light. You tend to start your day as the sun comes up, as you tend to end your day as the sun goes down. I know some of you are thinking, ah, oh, preacher, you don't know my routine. That sun goes down, that means it's time for Netflix. I stay up all night, and that's not really good for you, but you understand that what's happening is you're looking at that screen, you're being exposed to light, and so your body doesn't want to shut down. Again, everything orients and gravitates toward the light. Now, I can tell you all of those examples, or I can just give you a personal example by telling you a story about a plant. You think, man, we're getting it. I'm so excited about this sermon series, talking about botany and plant life. Most of you know, if you've been here for a while, that about four months ago, the Levering family changed homes. We moved from one house to another. Part of that process, we moved a lot of things, and we have in our kitchen at our old home what I call the refrigerator plant. Do you have a refrigerator plant? It's basically a plant that requires very little maintenance, just a little bit of water, maybe once or twice a week, and it just sort of goes on its own. And it's always been that way. In the process of the move, we moved it from the top of the refrigerator, and it got placed on top of the cabinets where it looked really good, but sort of got forgotten. Up where it was on top of the kitchen cabinets, it was higher up where we couldn't see it, and, and uh, it was a little darker in that part, in that corner of the house. And lo and behold, I look up one day, and the plant sort of looks like this. Some of you uh, can identify with this is what plants look like when they go to your care. Somebody, somebody once said, I'm, I, I am a, 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 like where plants go when they're on their last leg. Okay? If they come to see me, it's, it's not going to be long for them. <laughs> they're just not going to be around much longer. I don't do well. My plants always end up looking like this. So my, I'm that way, but my wife is not. And so we took the plant down and she gave it the water that it needed and she pulled off the dead parts that were already gone. And then she did something that was so important, and that was she moved it over to our window that receives the most light in the house. Now, something was interesting is I would sit, I kind of sat by, it's kind of in the living area, and as it sat there, I noticed that the leaves on the plant that were remaining tended to turn and ever so slowly gravitate toward that side that the window was on. They were turning toward the light. This, by the way, is not just a, 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 a feature of plants in the levering household. This happens in your household, too. It's how God designed plants to work. And so after a few weeks and a little bit of water and a little bit of more of light, whoa, I just completely lost my pack there. The little bit of water and a little more light, the plant is alive again. This new plant has been nicknamed Lazarus. (laughs) 
Now, that is a super simple illustration. The scientific word for this is phototropism. Somebody took on YouTube a video of light time lapse through the day, and they took these tomato plants and they just filmed them through the day. And at the beginning of the day, they were turning away from the light. But as the light grew stronger and the sun came up, the plants, if you can see, turned toward the light. And I know some of you can't see it because our projectors don't do too well. How ironic that I'm talking about the importance of light when we have projectors that don't do well with, with the light projection. But, okay, the, what you see here is a simple lesson, but is profound. God designed everything in our world to need and to require light. If there was some explosion, some... Something happened in the Earth's atmosphere to block out the sun instantaneously. And over the next process of days and weeks, all life would cease. You can't live very long without light. And this is not just true for plants and vegetation. It's true for people as well. The truth is that we need light to live. David understood this. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How could David survive his sins, his struggles, his battles, his temptations, people wanting to kill him? The answer was, he sought the light of the Lord. You probably know Psalm 23, the, the, the famous psalm from a shepherd to a shepherd. He says very poignantly in Psalm 23, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just listen to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I hadn't caught it before, but, you know, I understand the valley of the shadow of death is an actual real geographical place. But the shadow, the valley, understanding that this is a place where light is more absent than present can I ask you, you may not have been to the actual valley of the shadow of death where shepherds would take their sheep and have to go them single file through that valley. But have you been through a valley yourself? Have you walked through the valley that's more darkness than light? Where you're wondering with each step, with each day... God, I don't know how much farther I can go. When, when people are far off and everyone seems distant and it's just you trusting in the shepherd to get you through the valley of darkness, a place where light is not readily available. The Lord to David was a constant light. Regardless of how deep or dark or lonely the valley may have been, 
And this morning, as I speak to you, if you are in a valley, I, I want to ask you, do you have a light? Are you drawing near to the presence of the light? I'm not talking about sunlight now. I'm not talking about the reflection of the moon. I'm not talking about even the, the faint light that you have at night, but I'm talking about the light of the Lord. In the New Testament side, in James chapter 4, verse 8, James, the brother of Jesus, says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Wash your hands, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, I've always gravitated to the first part of that verse, but I don't know if something about that second part seems harsh. But now I understand. See, as you draw near to the holiness and the, the, the power of God's light, it begins to expose within yourself the parts of your heart that need to change, the parts of your life that need to be different. You see, it's impossible for you to walk with the light while your feet are on the path of darkness. We need light to live. It's true physically, but it's certainly true spiritually. Now, all of you at the point in this point in the sermon are nodding in agreement or nodding because you're about ready to go to sleep because you sort of got it. I sort of got it. I get it. I need God in my life. I get that. I need the light. Yeah, I got it. The question is not the understanding intellectually. It's not the knowing. It's the doing, right? How do we draw near to the light of God? This morning, I'm going to give you, for the rest of the sermon, the practical application of this. How do we seek light in our lives? First is, we have to desire the light of God's presence in our lives. We have to desire the light of Him. The Apostle of Love said in 1 John 1, 5, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. As I alluded to earlier, it's hard. It's hard to live in a world full of darkness. Increasingly, it seems to get worse and worse. It's hard to, the farther our world gets from God, the harder it is to picture, to grasp, to understand that our God, when we say He's holy and right, He always does exactly the right thing. He's light. In Him is no darkness at all. The Israelite people understood this. They knew in a very tangible, physical uh, way that they could look at and see the presence of light when the Lord came near. Whether it was the pillar of fire that stood in front of them as they traveled at night. Whether it was the, the, the light of Christ and where his clothes shone as bright as the whitest white we could possibly see when he was transfigured on the mountain. Whether it is the promises of revelation that tell us that our home will be a place where there is no need for third party light. That it will be lit continually by the presence of the Lamb. Hard for us to even picture and imagine. But the presence of God in Him is light and there is no 
darkness at all. The scriptures are clear that when we seek the Lord, we seek out light. Go back to Psalms with me. We're going to look at a, a couple of those because David and other psalmists said it way, in ways that I think are really good. Psalm chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 28. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Okay, now flip over real quickly to Psalm chapter 73. 50-ish chapters over. Psalm chapter 73, verse 25. I love the way he says this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That, that's a man who was walking with the light. He yearned for the light. He needed the light in his life. He knew without it there was nothing on earth that, that was good, that, that, that was worthwhile, but the light of God in the presence of him in his life. We understand that drawing near to the Lord... Drawing near to His presence, we're promised that when we do so, He will draw near to us. Now think back, backward over this last week. When was, when was, during the last seven days, the time or times when you have intentionally, purposefully, drawn close to the presence of God? Sought to remove all distractions and focus solely on His goodness. Perhaps reading His Word, perhaps calling to Him prayer, perhaps just being still and knowing that He is God. In our world, the opportunities to do that, they're, it's, they're harder to find. They're there, but you have to be purposeful and intentional about it. I want to encourage you in some part of your day. I don't know if you're a morning person or a late owl, or, you know, the rhythm of your energy during the day. But I want to encourage you to seek the light of God's presence. If you didn't this last week, I want to encourage you to think this week about when you might do that. If it helps, put an announcement or something on your calendar, a reminder of some sort. If you need to be reminded, that's good, because eventually you do it long enough, you'll be in His presence, and you'll be like David, that there is nothing on earth that I desire besides being in your presence. May we seek and long for his presence in our lives. And to do that, we have to be purposeful about it. We've got to have some time where we carve out for just time with you and God. There was a time, according to Psalms 139, when you were knit together in your mother's womb. Did you ever think about the, the moments when you were in being knit together, when for the first time it was just you and God, I, I know you don't remember that time, but there was a time in the beginning of your life when it was just you and God. And maybe you've been driven to your knees and life has thrown some stuff at you and you've just realized there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. But I hope he's a regular part of your life. You're seeking his presence every day. Secondly, we need to seek the light of God's word. 
Now, I, I, I want to, you understand these are two different points, okay? I, I believe in spending time in God's Word, but that is different. There are times when I'm in God's Word and I'm studying for a class, I'm studying for a message. I'm thinking of something to prepare. I'm not spending time in God's Word to get to know the heart of the author. I'm spending time in God's Word to, for, the, for the purpose of doing what I do. We can be that way. I mean, you might have a daily Bible reading from you. You're like, man, I just got to get through these, these next three chapters, and I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to whip right through it. That's spending in t- time in God's Word, but that's not spending time in God's presence. So we understand we've got to have the first, and if we have the first, I think we'll seek the second, because God's Word is His letter to us of what He wants for us. Um, and it was three weeks ago now. I was not in this pulpit. Sonny was filling my place, and Jim was filling my place, because I was at home sick, anemic, without energy. I had no desire to do anything but be as lazy as humanly possible. I felt terrible. One of the ways in which my wife knew I was sick is that I had absolutely zero appetite. Didn't want any snacks, didn't need any chips, wasn't asking her to get me some Chick-fil-A. I was without hunger or appetite or desire. Do you understood? She knew in those first couple of days when I lost my appetite that something was wrong. Now, think about the verse that James read from Psalm 119 verses 103 through 105. If you're there, you want to turn there. If you were there, turn back there. The psalmist says this, Psalm 119, verses 103, it's a long old chapter, but right in the middle as he speaks so much about the power and the efficacy of God's word in our hearts and our lives, he says this, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding Therefore, I hate every false way. We ought to hunger and thirst for God's Word. Jesus would later later say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They have an appetite for His Word in their lives. His Word is sweeter than honey. It's sweeter than the best candy you can imagine. You know... um, for Valentine's Day, the gift for everyone in the family, uh, except for me, was candy from the Nifty Nut House. Christy got the chocolates that she loves. The kids got the, Tyler got sour gummy worms, and Grace got some gummy butterflies. All of those in common have this in common, sugar. A little bit of sugar and a little bit of fat will make a lot of people real happy. You say, why didn't you get some, preacher? Going on a diet? Well, <laughs> I got a Chick-fil-A gift card. But 
There's something about sugar that makes us have an appetite for more. And the psalmist says God's word is like that. That when you read in that and you pour into God's word and you let his word pour through you, there's something about it that makes you want more of it. You, you just read that word and you go, oh, it's so good. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word, your instructions. Thank you that they give power and they, they give instruction and they give wisdom. But thank you most of all that they are from you. Do you understand that God did not have to give his instructions, his letter telling us what he's done and how much he loves us, but he did? The more that we read of God's word, the more we understand the author and the more we want of him. May we hunger and thirst for his word because it leads us to a hunger for him. I told you the story of my great aunt Donna. She was a mentor in many ways. She was a spiritual powerhouse. Now, now Aunt Donna was only about this tall, easily half my weight, which is no big accomplishment. But she was a small woman is what I'm saying. But the example and, and the way in which she influenced my life, especially in this area of hungering and thirsting for God's word, See, Aunt Donna, I remember, had this Bible, and it was had this cover that was, I think, I'm not sure if she made it or someone else, had lace around the outside handle. It was blue with red uh, uh, ribbons in it, and it was just uh, the kind of Bible cover you would expect for your great aunt to have. And she would carry that Bible, and she would open it in the pew, and as the, the, the preacher would read the verses, she would open to those verses. And I was just, I didn't know any, I didn't know where, what verse, I didn't know James from Genesis at that point. And so I would kind of follow along with her, and she'd help me, and she'd show me how to navigate God's Word. And I was so impressed as I looked at her Bible, because it was all marked up, you know? You know those people, like they have every single verse underlined? Because she was one of those people who hungered. For God's word. It wasn't just something that she opened during church. It was something that she opened within her heart. She would take that Bible home and she would put it on the dining room table, the kitchen there. And she would have that open. Many times I would go to her house and her Bible was open because she loved, she hungered for the word. It was sweeter than honey to her. I remember even as the very end of her life as she would go into the hospital, I remember that she, they had this... Um, you know those weird sort of rollable tables? You're sitting in the hospital bed, and they have this table that, that rolls, and it rolls under the bed so it can hold in front of you that delicious hospital food. And she had on that table, I remember going in there one day, and she had the tray of the hospital food covered with the plastic protective co cover and her Bible open. I'll never forget it. Because I've realized in that moment that she hungered for the word like she hungered for food. And I realize that comparing anything to hospital food is not quite a good comparison, okay? But she hungered for that in her life like she hungered for a meal. Now, one of Aunt Donna's favorite psalms, in fact, I think she memorized it, Psalm chapter 1. Turn to Psalm chapter 1 because I want to open Aunt Donna's Bible with you. I want you to get a picture of her heart, the reason that she wanted to know God's Word. Psalm chapter 1.
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I know it says, blessed is the man. I always picture Aunt Donna when I read this verse, because that was her. People who have Bibles, they're falling apart, often have lives that are not, because they love His Word, and they love Him. Oh my goodness, I'm so far behind, and you all realize it, and the preacher just realized it. Point number three, walk in the light of God's ways. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and following says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, and shines brighter and brighter until full day. In the way, rather, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, where they do not know over what they stumble. Did you hear that? The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. You see, it's not just one thing to love God's Word. It's not the reading of God's Word that gives power. It's the doing of God's Word that gives the power, that makes the the life effective Reading God's Word without doing God's Word is the same as not reading God's Word at all. So when you go to Bible class, when you fill in your notes as you so dutifully are doing this morning, may you not just read to fill in an outline. May you not just read to check off a list. May you read so that you can say, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. I want to do what you desire for me to do. I have so much more to say, but I'm out of time. So let me get to the fourth one, which is let shine God's light in your life. When your light is on at work, you stand out. When everybody's gathered around and they're gossiping about the person who's not there and they're putting them down and they're they're saying things they would never say if they were right there and you refuse to participate. You're letting your light shine. When you're at school and there's the teacher that no one respects, no one listens to, they do not give them any respect at all, and you do, you're letting God's light shine in your life. It's so important that we let the light shine so that we can reflect God's glory. Turn to Matthew chapter 5 real quick. Matthew chapter 5, you know the verse, but I want you to get it, so hopefully you will do it. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. A city on a a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Several months ago, we had a problem with the light switches, and it was a little strange because you'd hit the switch, but the power wouldn't come on to the lights, or just a few, not all of them. And in that moment, it was very frustrating because the purpose 
When this building was built 20-ish years ago, when they installed these lights and those lights, they all have a purpose. If the lights are there, but they're not shining, it gets very frustrating very quickly. If God has six, seven hundred lights that he's sending out throughout the Wichita area, my question to you is, are you shining his light? Are you just hiding it under a bushel? No, you shouldn't do that. You should let his light reflect in your light. Don't forget our challenge this month. Uh, I hope that you will take the opportunity to make a visit. Some of you have asked me for the list of our widows and widowers. And if you would like to visit them or people, we have so many that are sick or or in the hospital, or just suffering with different things. If you need some suggestions, I'd love to let you let your light shine and let your grace shine to them. Uh, this past week, uh, actually a week ago today, we had a small group of people, young families, when, that went and made a visit to the Life Care Center, the memory unit. And uh, Willow Rose Dennis is there and others, and it was just... So good to see all these families serving and taking this challenge together. You can do that. Your small group, your Bible class, maybe just you and a few friends can go encourage someone and bring light into their life. This morning, the power is on. This morning, the, 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 the light of His Word is there. The question is... Are you going to let His light shine in your life? It is up to you. The choice is in your hands. Whatever you need to do to begin letting this light shine in your heart and your life, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you haven't sought the light of Jesus in your life, the light of all mankind, according to John, then I want to encourage you this morning to open your darkness, the darkness of your heart and put His light in it and let it shine for the world to see. If you have that need or if we can help you, encourage you and pray with you in any other way, won't you come as together we stand and